Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. As the Bucks beat the Heat 130 to 116, it was on the back of a dominant second half. They outscored Miami 74 to 43. They were trailing by as many as 23 points in the second quarter, and I've been Pretty heavy on not getting too concerned about anything that was going on in the bubble. But I was a little bit flat at halftime because I wanted something to get at least a little bit excited about. And the first half was pretty miserable defensively. And I get the feeling they all denied it post-game. No one said that there was anything seriously said. There was no yelling. There was no ranting or raving. But this Bucks team gave me the impression that they might have just looked at each other in halftime and said, all right. Let's get fair income here because this has been pretty pathetic since we've been down in the bubble. Let's tighten the clamps a little bit and uh, they put on one hell of a show. That was a fun second half. Yeah, um, you know, eerily, uh, well, not eerily, uh, enjoyably reminiscent of the game uh, in March 2019 where the Bucks were down 62-42 to 42 at halftime mm. uh, in Miami. Pete hit just a crap load of three-pointers in the first half of that game. And then in the second half, the Bucks just blow the doors off them, seventy-one to thirty-six in the second half of that one. What did you say the the margin was in the, in the second half of this one? Seventy yeah, to some some forty something. Seventy-four to forty-three, so plus thirty-one. Yeah, yeah. So remarkably, uh, remarkably similar to um, to to that game. And that game, Giannis also scored thirty-three points, same as today. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean. Uh, no Jimmy Butler, no Goran Dragic. Uh, ironically, I thought the first half was kind of a good example of why the Bucks. Uh, you know, I mean, the Bucks have already lost once this year to the Heat without Jimmy Butler in that first weekend of the season. And you can kind of see it because, you know, the Heat just put more shooters. I mean, Jimmy Butler has not shot three at all, basically, this year. Uh, and when with him out, you see... Uh, Kelly Olynyk, Bucks killer Kelly Olynyk, come into the starting five next to Bam Adebayo, uh, and you know they're they're tough to match up against when they look like that because really you know at that point Bam is the only non-shooter in that group, and uh, Bam is is interesting because he kind of spaces the floor. You know, people always think of floor spacing as like purely a shooting thing, but you know he's such a good passer. Um, that he's a threat to you. You know, if you just stand 10 feet off him, well, I mean, he's a good passer. I mean, you don't want to give him that much room. So, um, you know, we talked about how uh, him not being a shooter does obviously confer some some benefits in the sense that Brooke Lopez can defensively, you know, hang back in the paint a bit. But, you know, there, there's still some trade-offs. So, um, yeah, I mean, the first half, I think, kind of a continuation of, of a lot of the things that we had seen uh, in these past few games where, uh, you know, it just felt like the Heat were getting, you know, the Heat, the Heat basically could drive and kick their way to a good shot. It seemed like every 
every time down the court. And again, not that they were getting easy buckets at, at the rim, um, but it just felt like the Bucks had to always bring help. And, you know, Heat were getting open shots. And, uh, you know, Wes Matthews was running himself ragged trying to keep up with Duncan <laughs> Robinson. Uh, and, uh, and I thought, you know, the big difference to me was in the second half, we saw, um, we saw the Bucks' wings and guards really uh, dominate the point of the attack. Maybe not dominate, but like play with a much higher level of physicality and intensity, hashtag energy and effort, uh, at the point of attack and getting over screens, um, not basically allowing the guy, a guy to like get a step and demand help every time. Uh, they try to drive because I think that's what you're going to see is that teams are just going to drive purely to, to pass because it's like, Oh, if I just get like, you know, if I just take a few dribbles this way, then the bucks are going to send help. And then I'm going to find, you know, open guy that I can pass to. And I mean, you got to be better than that. Right. And and I, I forget, I forget who said it. And I forget if it was a bucks coach or something, but you know, this idea that, you know, will help defense, right. The importance of help defense in the NBA team defense, obviously it's, it, you, you can't just basically put, you know, think of it as, one-on-one defense anymore but you know sometimes you have to help yourself right <laughs> like you can't you can't just say like all right yeah you know Brooke and Giannis will clean everything else up and and whatever you, I mean that's not why this team is great defensively those guys obviously deservedly get a ton of credit but um, it's also built on the way that guys like Bledsoe and George Hill and Dante and Wes Matthews and Pat Connett the way those guys fight over screens and work really hard on the perimeter and I thought we really saw that uh, a lot more in the second half. You know, we saw them do some other things too. We saw with Olenek, we saw some switches. We got, you know, a little bit of some adjustments here and there, obviously. But I thought it was, so much of it was just really playing with just an amped up level of intensity. And, you know, whereas the Bucks in the first half were the ones turning it over and doing kind of that lazy, yeah, lazy, sloppy basketball that we'd been seeing too much of lately. In the second half, I thought we saw um, – you know, the Bucks kind of turned the tables a bit and actually um, put the pressure on the heat in, in a way that, you know, certainly they did in the first half. And then um, you know, Giannis, <laughs> we're going to need to spend some time on Giannis in his matchup against his, uh, his the Giannis stopper Bam out of bio, because uh, I mean, this was a clinic uh, 13 out of 13 on two point shots, 33 points uh, on 17 overall. Um, you know, he was just terrific and, and he really closed this game out uh, just attacking the rim and, and getting where he wanted. And, uh, you know, Chris, Mid- I mean, it's funny, right? As much as we're complaining about stuff in the, in the, in the bubble, you know, Chris, Giannis and Brooke have been consistently really, really good. And as long as they're getting really good defense from the other guys you know, and a little bit of shooting, um, we're going to see really good results from this team. And that's obviously what we got today. Yeah. I want to make one final point on the defense. Cause you were touching on it right there. I think that we saw tonight or in today's game, the difference that effort level and probably postseason effort level on defense is going to have on some of these looks because I did think that Miami were making some tough shots in the first half. I'll concede that even though they were shooting the three pretty well. And there was a couple of guys, Derek Jones Jr. in particular, who were knocking down threes who traditionally are not good three-point shooters. But we did see, and this is what makes it tough to read in some of these, certainly these early seeding games, but even during the regular season where teams would blaze away from three, it's like, well, okay, but could the Bucs actually be contesting those threes better if they were going to, you know, playoff intensity? And I think we saw that. So I was actually commenting during the game. Uh, I, I did the live stream again. I was commenting during the game that 
once it got to the fourth quarter and I'd seen that the Bucks could ratchet up that defensive intensity, then I was like, okay, well, I mean, I hope they win this game. I would love to see them win. But the fact that I've seen them do this, I'm kind of comfortable either way. Like, I feel much better about uh, where this Bucks team is at compared to where I did in the first half. But I just want to give a quick reminder about our friends over at Axios now. Start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios today hosts Nyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. As for Giannis, and, and you pointed on the fact that Giannis, Brook, and Chris uh, have all been really good, and they have. Brook and Ella, 17 points tonight. He's scoring at a much higher rate than he was during the regular season. They certainly go into him a lot more. But Giannis, I thought early in this game, we saw that, it, to me, he was trying to figure out what Miami were doing defensively again. We know that they're going to build the wall. Everyone talks about that, and we saw that. I mean, we saw three guys basically bunched together at the free throw line on multiple occasions to start this game. Giannis tried to post up a few times. It didn't really work, it, particularly one time where he tried to turn uh, to, the, to the, the middle of the court rather than baseline. I think he figured that out pretty quickly, that if he turns to the middle, he's going. that's where the help is going to try and strip the ball. There was one turnover where Jay Crowder was able to get in there. A, he was able to, to penetrate that wall and get through there before they were set. I think Eric Bledsoe played a big part of that in the second half with just the tempo that he plays with. But also, I thought we saw on multiple occasions, Giannis in those post-up situations on Bam or whoever it was that was on him went baseline and took away that help, was faster to make that move, and it just resulted in dunk after dunk after dunk, uh, 13 for 13 on two-point attempts. It doesn't really get much more emphatic than that. Yeah, I think he had eight, eight dunks today. And yeah. uh, by my count, watching just some highlights, uh, it looked like seven of them were essentially unassisted. Right? There may have been a yeah. stray assist uh, credited in there somewhere. But, uh, you know, I mean, this was not like just Giannis hanging around the basket, getting dumps off and dunking. I mean, he, he was really manufacturing these dunks. I mean, his first his first bucket of the game, I mean, he literally just goes end to end and just powers right through out of bio for a left-handed dunk. I mean, uh, there's one guy in the league who does that. That's Giannis. Um, and to do it against Adebayo, that, that really, I think, set the tone, even if it took a little while for, for the Bucks and Giannis to really kind of get start to get his bearings. But, um, yeah, he sprinted out for dunks uh, in transition, basically end-to-end for his first two buckets and then um, kind of just kept going from there. Uh, did hit a mid-ranger uh, in the second quarter when the Bucks were really kind of struggling and, and it just felt like Miami was just raining threes on them. And, and again, it, it really felt like there was just a very – there's a big gulf in shot quality between the two teams. I mean, Giannis was getting some, some obviously some baskets uh, going around the, around the hoop, but, um, but it felt like Miami, you know, both teams were putting up some threes, but Miami was putting up more. It felt like Miami was putting up more open threes than the Bucks, And it felt like, you know, the Bucks were just kind of putting up shots and, you know, it wasn't a surprise what the score was. And, um, you know, give the Bucks credit. They kept kind of fighting Giannis, you know, I think he scored 10 points in the second quarter. Chris was obviously uh, playing very well offensively. Um, Giannis was pretty sloppy, six turnovers in this game. You know, as much as the Bucks have been turnover prone, Giannis has not actually been the guy who's been doing it. He didn't have more than three turnovers in any of the first three games, which is kind of interesting because he's normally the big turnover guy. And he's actually not been a big turnover guy. Today he did. And ironically, the Bucks only have 14 turnovers. Uh, so they finally kind of cleaned things up, whereas – uh, Miami had 19 turnovers. So basically, you know, kind of turning that uh, issue around and um, 
plus eight in terms of made free throws, uh, especially in that third quarter. Um, they, I think, were what, 15 out of 15, I think, at one point in that third quarter alone. Um, and I think that, again, that sort of just speaks to, you know, uh, the whole battle of the trenches thing, right? You know, I was talking about that in football, but it felt like, you know, from a physicality standpoint, um, on both ends, the Bucks really just had uh, had sort of flipped the game in the third quarter. And, you know, there were a couple plays where we saw George Hill and then Dante where they create turnovers and then draw fouls, like literally like mm-hmm. within, you know, like a split second. Um, you know, Dante at one point just jumps up and like snuffs out a pass, lands and, and gets fouled. I think Hill had another play where he basically kind of stole the ball and then gets fouled and ends up shooting free throws. You know, those types of plays, I mean, you know, I mean, that, that's obviously huge. And I think that's, that's obviously one of the snowballing things we saw in the first half uh, for the Bucks. It's, you know, obviously the Bucks like to play fast. Giannis likes to play fast. Uh, and if you're just taking the ball out of the bottom of the basket on made threes, it, it makes it also harder to, to obviously be effective offensively versus, you know, obviously we know this Bucks team typically great on the defensive glass. They transition off that, they push off that, they get easy shots. All of a sudden, you know, the other team's making shots. It's just, it also hurts the Bucks offensively. So, um, you know, again, I think they're going to, you know, you, I think you could tell sort of the, the fragile state of Bucks Twitter because, you know, it feels like typically over the past year and a half when the Bucks have been losing by a lot, it's a lot of talk about like, well, yeah, well, the other team's just making a lot of three pointers and, you know, we'll, we'll see if it, the mean reversion kicks in. Felt like today there was a lot more panic. <laughs> there, there was a lot less like, you know, oh, they're just making shots. There was a lot more, I think, more pointed criticism of what the Bucks were not doing in addition to the fact that, you know, Miami was just making shots. But I, I think I think that was fair. I think Miami was – they were getting better looks and they were making plays, they were making shots, and they were making life harder on the Bucks on the other side. So, um, you know, a bit of a wake-up call. And, and obviously, um, I, don't, I think to the Bucks' credit, they have not been a team that, you know, have been a flip-the-switch team. And we've talked about that, right? They've not been a team that has had to come back in games very much. And I thought this game was unique because they actually obviously had a big deficit. Um, they come out in the third quarter, they chip away at it, chip away at it, and make a big run, take a lead in the third quarter. But then they go back down. I mean, I think they were down eight early in the fourth quarter. And, uh, and you know, they had to pick themselves back up because I think the risk of there is always you come back from this huge deficit, you amp up the pressure, you really exhaust yourself a little bit. And then, okay you know, can you get over the hump and actually build the lead or do you kind of let the other team bounce back a little bit and make a run? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, we're down eight, we're down eight or 10 points again. Do we have what we need to, uh, to, to kind of get back at it? So, um, yeah, I mean, Bucks deserve a lot of credit, you know, obviously Giannis really kind of closing the game out, but, um, you know, even when he went to the bench, went to the bench, he had foul trouble again today. Chris obviously was huge. Brooke was really good. And, they were able to make plays, you know, consistently enough to, to kind of keep things going. I thought Bledsoe, uh, only nine points on eight shots, but I thought, you know, eight rebounds, five assists, a couple steals. Um, you know, he was obviously very important when you talk about that perimeter pressure. And, um, you know, Matthews worked extremely hard uh, on Duncan Robinson. And, and, you know, Duncan Robinson, 21 points on 11 shots. So you say, well, they didn't do a very good job on Duncan Robinson. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Duncan Robinson was minus 20 and Wes Matthews was plus 27. And, I feel like we've been seeing a lot of Wes Matthews having very positive games uh, in the plus minus department. And I think he's been playing really good defense. He's been obviously uh, having to bear a heavy load, you know, gets James Harden uh, the other day, does really good work, I think on him. And then tonight, very different type of challenge with the Duncan Robinson, but um, was fun watching him kind of do work. And he was doing that all game, you know, in, in credit to him. It wasn't just the second half. 
Yeah, Wesley Matthews, yeah, it was interesting. I asked Chris Milton about this after the game because I was trying to wrap my head around who the hell would have played on Duncan Robinson and last year's Bucks team? I couldn't really imagine Malcolm Brogdon chasing him around the perimeter and maybe it would have ended up being someone like Chris Milton that would have had the job and for, for periods. And we've spoke about it all season long, but the fact that Chris doesn't have to have that defensive assignment, I think has helped him so much. I asked mm-hmm. uh, Chris about this after the game and he said, and he was like nodding the whole time I was asking the question, like he just wanted to answer it already because he knew what I was getting to. He said, a lot of people don't understand what Wes goes through and puts his body through and how tough he is. He wants that challenge. That's what we love. He doesn't want to back down. He wants the best player to shut that player down no matter what. And it's interesting because, you know, we go back to the start of the season and we talked about Wesley Matthews and what he might bring. And a lot of the focus was offensively, I think. I mean, me personally, I'll absolutely admit I underrated and underestimated his ability to impact the game defensively. And he just continues to take the best play. Last time this guy played, he had James Harden, and now he's chasing around Duncan Robinson on the perimeter, who, by the way, is a, a hell of a player. He, he's one of those guys, that, and there's not that many of him in the league where every time he shoots the ball, you think it's probably going in. It's kind of crazy to me how quickly he's developed that reputation, but uh, he's tough. He's tough to match, and the Bucks are certainly lucky that they had West. But we should talk about Chris a little bit. And I just looked it up as we're recording here. He's now three shots, three made field goals of 50%, a nine for 14 night, five for six from three. One accidental bank shot on what was supposed to be a lob to Giannis and one, uh, I'll say it's an accidental bank shot again. The three that went down certainly helps his 50-40-90 cause. But this guy's footwork... I cannot believe some of the shots that this guy's pulling out. He looks he looks better since he's come back. I mean, we've seen him in the mid-range all season long. He's been putting the moves on guys. I think the one thing we've noticed in particular is his ability to get the defender off their feet and draw fouls. He's, that's been a huge part of his game this season uh, the entire year. But, geez, he looks good when he gets the ball. Uh, there was one in particular tonight where he sort of pivoted, span, faded away at the free throw line, nothing but net. And Middleton is just has to be a, one of the, the toughest covers in the mid-range right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Mike, I think Mike Prada had, uh, had written uh, about how, you know, when you talk about the best shooters left in the bubble um, and he made the case for Chris Middleton just because of, uh, you know, I mean, he's been shooting obviously above 40% from three all year, uh, but just the ability to, to create shots for himself mid-range and be so consistent so deadly on mid-range shots um you know he's just been obviously terrific all year and i mean to be honest after the first game where he went six out of 20 um against boston i thought well 50 40 90 is out the window like it's just you know especially for a guy who shoots so many threes it's i mean the 50 percent overall mark is just so difficult to get and i thought well that's just going to be really hard to do and um I mean, credit to him. He actually has a he's, – he's, what, at like 49.6% right now, I think. So um, I, don't, I wouldn't bet that he's going to pull it off because, again, he's going to have to really sh- – I mean, to, you have to be on fire to be a wing who shoots so many jumpers and, it, you know, goes goes above 50%. But he, he has a chance, and uh, I'm, I'm obviously rooting for it. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if he can pull it off. But, yeah, I mean, he was terrific today. And, um, you know, again, that that is – lots to clean up for the Bucks. I think from the bubble games we've seen so far, I mean, this is, you know, hardly some sort of massive victory uh, that, uh, you know, or, well, let me put this way. 
you know, this is not some like signature win or something like that in the grand scheme of the season, but it's, it's important. It was obviously good. You lock up first, you know, home court advantage, you make that official or sorry, not home court advantage. You lock up the first seed, which is worth everything, but you know, home court advantage this year. Uh, you lock up that first seed. Uh, you kind of get off the schneid a little bit. Cause obviously the team's been struggling and it hasn't, you know, the team struggled in the last game and obviously they didn't finish that Houston game the way they wanted. But, um, you know, I, I think, uh, again, kudos to Giannis, Chris, and, and Brooke. Those guys have really brought it. And um, I think, again, if you start seeing role players step up a little bit more, which we saw at various points today, then, then yeah, you should be in pretty good shape. And, and, again, I mean, you know, if you told me before the game that Miami was going to hit 21 threes and 46%, um, my reaction probably would have been, all right, here we go again. But, uh, you know, again, I think the Bucks are obviously the kind of team that, they're uniquely capable of withstanding a barrage like that. And they shot, you know, pretty well themselves today, 41%, uh, 15 makes, which obviously is above average for them too. And we hadn't, we really hadn't seen that so far yet. So one thing, and you sort of hinted to it there, we can't get away from the fact that there was no Jimmy Butler or Goran Dragic in this one. And I was, I couldn't help but think to myself during the third quarter and the fourth quarter when I was watching this one and, the Bucs were really all over them defensively. They were, they were playing that, that typical defense that we know, hands in the passing lane, creating turnovers, which if the Bucs get turnovers and transition opportunities, you're probably going to be in for a bad time as the opposition. And also getting in the bonus super early in the third quarter was just huge for, for racking up those points. But you know, Jimmy Butler would have been a guy that you could get the ball to and he could play a, a bit of iso ball and at least slow it down and get a shot. So it's definitely worth noting that, that Butler wasn't there. It's obviously a significant loss for the Heat because it did feel that once the three-point shot stopped falling, they didn't really have a secondary option. And if you look at the box score, uh, only 22 points in the paint uh, for the night. Uh, again, pretty dominant performance from uh, the Bucks in there. But all in all, uh, again, you know, regardless of whether they won or lost the game, this game wasn't trending in a direction, as you sort of pointed to, the Bucks fans would have been happy about it does feel pretty good to beat Miami and just put in a performance that you're like okay that looks particularly defensively like the Bucks we know a little bit yeah and um you know I think the the upside is uh I mean you'd love to see the Bucks just turning the screws early and, and making these games laughers but um you know this is now four straight games that we've seen clutch mm-hmm. clutch minutes right by the by the NBA's definition for the Bucks. um and so, uh, although not as much today, right? Because they actually kind of blew, blew the game open a bit for for the end. But, um, but you know, I, I think I think that's probably not that. I mean, if I'm going to spin this a little bit, um, that's uh, that's probably something that you know is kind of one of those subtle things that that's a plus. Um, we talked about the Bucks not having to come back much in games this year. This obviously was an exception to that. And I think to, you know, I, I do think psychologically there's something to that. You know, going through a game where you see the other team just make a ton of threes and you know, nothing feels like it's going right. Uh, and then you turn around and, uh, and you just fight through it. You work hard and, um, you know, it wasn't luck uh, that, that kind of brought the bucks back, you know, from, from the way I would view it, it was, you know, then just basically going out and earning it in the second half and, uh, and just outplaying Miami kind of top to bottom. So, um, that obviously, you know, hopefully that, uh, you know, drags the bucks memory a little bit, makes them, reminds them of what they were doing, uh, for, the majority of this season, obviously when they were playing at such a, such a high level. So, um, you know, still not, um, still not great, uh, defensively overall. I mean, the, the, the numbers tonight were, were, you know, net, net, not great. 125 offensive rating, which is great. 112 defensive rating, 
um, you know, again, you, you're, you're not going to put up a great defensive rating when a team shoots that well from three, but, um, but obviously uh, it was very nice to see the offense respond and um, in a game that, you know, yeah, ended up just being them kind of outscoring them. But obviously the defense in that second half was, uh, was, I think it was, I think the heat had like a 132 offensive rating in the first half. So to, to bounce back and, um, you know, really amp it up on the second half, obviously is, uh, is a, a, a nice thing to see. And, Obviously, Miami, even for the guys that they're missing, obviously a very well-coached team. I, you know, I, it doesn't surprise me that they could, you know, sh- play well without Jimmy Butler, uh, mm-hmm. given just the shooting they have in that first half. But I think you saw it sort of in the second half. You know, having a bucket getter like Jimmy, yeah. um, I think would have been something, obviously, that, uh, that they really missed in that fourth quarter. Because, again, like, Bam at a bio, very good player, but he doesn't go out and get you buckets in the traditional sense. Uh, and then you got a lot of guys who are, you know, shooters, but, but not necessarily, uh, guys that can go like create, create shots for you. Um, you know, it's interesting, Tyler Harrow, uh, Wisconsin native, 20 points on 12 shots. That, that obviously is, is a plus five assists, but it really felt like, especially in that second half, um, the ball was in his hand a lot, especially with Dragic out and you, he had five turnovers and it just felt like, um, whether it was DiVincenzo or Hill. Um, they were able to disrupt a lot. They drew some offensive fouls on screeners. Um, it, it felt like that kind of helped kind of turn the tide. So as much as he, you know, obviously went out and scored at a high rate, um, you know, you kind of just felt like uh, the Bucks were able to take advantage maybe a bit of him not being obviously like a pure point guard that you're going to want to have him go run the offense, which obviously we can relate to having seen Dante DiVincenzo be in a similar position, having to try to kind of run offense when he's obviously not that type of player either. Yeah, without going off on a complete tangent, just it was interesting. Again, this is kind of the Miami thing without Butler not getting that that bucket getter. I guess that's kind of why uh, I've had the thoughts about Toronto all season long. Unbelievably coached, can throw a lot of different things at you defensively, but if things shut down offensively, who's going to be the guy that's going to just uh, stand there and get you a bucket? I think that'll be the interesting thing to come from Toronto. One last one. I mean, you mentioned Tyler Hero. George Hill, I, I thought, was had a significant impact defensively. Also offensively, he looked a little bit more like himself. Seven for eight from the free throw line, six assists, zero turnovers. A pretty solid game from George. And he was the guy that uh, it felt like just sort of locked up Tyler Hero a little bit there in that third quarter when the wheels started to wobble uh, for the Heat. The only other thing, and if you have anything from the game, throw it at me after this. But the only other thing I wanted to bring up before we do shut down this pod today was Ben Simmons. The Sixers' disaster season just continues to... to <laughs> I, it's hard to imagine all these things that could have possibly happened to the Sixers this season. Ben Simmons, I, I think, by all reports, I mean, they're still trying to figure out exactly what the course of action will be. Looks like he might miss up to six weeks with a knee injury that he uh, hurt yesterday. Oh, boy, the Sixers, if they stay in that sixth seed and play the Celtics without Ben Simmons, the disastrous season looks like it could have a fitting end. I, I don't think they can beat the Celtics without Ben Simmons. Is that, uh, is that fair? Uh, I don't think so either. I mean, um, that just becomes really tough. I mean, it's uh, – it, I mean, Embiid's great, and you can put a lot of shooters around him, obviously, if you don't have Simmons out there, but – but obviously I think you just worry about, you know, Embiid and he can't play 48 minutes and what happens when he goes to the bench. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what happens when he goes to the bench, right? I mean, you're just, I mean, tons of pressure on Tobias Harris and the rest of that supporting cast um, to try to figure out how you manufacture offense. Cause obviously that's, 
something that Simmons for all, you know, his, his uh, limitations is obviously he's a guy who really does create a lot of shots for, for other guys. And um, you know, their, their point guard ranks are what shake Milton and Rel how Neto right now. So um, that's, that'd be a tall order, but you know, we'll see, we'll kind of see how things go for here from here on out. I mean, yeah, people always talk about the West, but you know, I mean, if, if the Sixers had stayed healthy, I mean, the Sixers at the sixth seed, I mean, that right. I think that speaks to the depth of the East as well. It's, it's a very, very steep drop off after six. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's um, uh, between if Simmons is out for, for Philly and, and if uh, Sabonis obviously being out for Indiana, obviously those are, those are a couple of really big losses for those teams that, you know, certainly both those teams in a normal scenario would have been trying to gun for home court advantage. Now, obviously not as big a deal, but, but certainly uh, this, this Celtics will breathe a lot easier because um, I think they struggle with, with, with uh, Philadelphia size, but they'll breathe a lot easier if, uh, if they don't, if they know that they're not going to have to face off against Simmons. All right, so the Bucks do clinch the number one seed in the East. I have a feeling that we're going to have plenty more time to talk about the Heat because uh, another little uh, thing that came from tonight's win is the Bucks has effectively made it almost impossible for Miami to slip up into the three seed. So regardless, it does look like the Bucks and the Heat will be meeting again in the second round if results go as expected. Mavericks up next. 7.30 on Saturday night, finally, just playing a night game. I think everyone's happy about that on a Saturday night. It's on national TV. It's going to be a pretty fun game. Another revenge game for the Bucs. Remember, the Mavericks broke the streak without Luka way back in November. It might have been December, actually. I think it was early December. Have you got any final takes you desperately need to get off your chest before we wrap it up for the week? No, I, I mean, um, I think I'm looking forward to that game, obviously, on Saturday night. Hopefully, um, you know, we see the best of uh, the, the, the Bucks again uh, for more than one half. I would say that let's give, let's get four quarters of what we saw in the second half tonight. That would be nice. Uh, and yeah, first look at Luca this year. So obviously he's a, a very different player since the last time we saw him over a year ago. Yeah. Plenty to play for, for the Mavs as well. They went down to the Clippers tonight and certainly seeding is a factor for them. So this one's going to be a lot of fun. I'm loving these games where the Bucks, it feels like, there's something on the line or it feels like teams can actually get something from this. So I uh, enjoyed the win against the heat today, obviously, and looking forward to that Mavericks game. That's a, uh, I, I don't know. That'll be a weekend. I would guess we haven't discussed it. Who knows? We might be a post game pot after that, but keep an eye out for that one. Everyone enjoy your weekend. Stay safe wherever you are in the world. And for Frank and myself, we'll catch you guys next time.